Hi, this is the Inside Family Law podcast and I'm Zoe Durand and I'm very lucky to be interviewing um, the Honourable Justice Peter Rose, OMQC. Um, but I'll let you tell our listeners, Peter, more about your background. Thank you. Uh, well, I had 26 years experience as a barrister in Sydney doing property and children's cases as well as others. Uh, and I was uh, Queen's Counsel for 10 of those years. I, was, I then became a judge for 13 years in the Family Court of Australia and subsequently uh, conduct some family law practice as a mediator and arbitrator and I'm also an adjunct professor of law at Sydney University. Wow, so we're very lucky to be able to have you here today to pick your brains about the ALRC um, recommendations. Yes. Thank you. Um, I've read the recommendations and the report that accompanied them. Mm, okay. Do you have any thoughts? Let's kind of do a, what, how should we break this down? The good, the bad and the ugly. Let's start with the positive. Good. Well, there are a number of positives. The first is that um, the Commission is to be congratulated for dealing with a vast quantity of documents. Should we start again? Uh, a vast quantity of documents um, from all sorts of uh, people and sources within a relatively short time against a background of uh, very extensive terms of reference. Uh, secondly, uh, I've read all the recommendations and the report that accompanied them. Um, some of the recommendations, in my opinion, are very good particularly those that relate to amending the law in relation to children's cases, uh, the uh, uh, encouragement of use of mediation and arbitration with uh, appropriate amendments to the Family Law Act uh, are all excellent and long overdue. So. What, what in particular do you think is, is good in relation to the recommendations with regards to children's matters that's more simplified well, or...? Well, uh, the, the good parts, in my opinion, based on my experience, are that um, previous presumptions of um, equal time, uh, which encouraged a lot of people into litigation on the assumption that they should have equal time for care of children, even if from a practical viewpoint, it was unrealistic. And equal parental uh, responsibility. Uh, similarly, especially where parents are in high conflict and have little, if any, dialogue to advance the care of their children. So um, those presumptions are recommended to be removed mm. and um, with greater focus on what are the real needs in terms of care of children both mm. in the present and the future. And you think that's a, a positive step because the presumptions perhaps created unnecessary litigation? Well it did, it created unrealistic expectations mm. fed by um, poorly informed people both mm. in the media and, uh, and through non-government agencies, um, as well as um, through academia. Mm. So that's a positive. You also mentioned 
um, that you, you thought overall there were some positives with regards to mediation and arbitration in the recommendations. Could you yeah. just go into that in a bit more detail? Yes. Um, well, the theme in the report is that um, wherever there's an opportunity to encourage um, resolution of disputes, whether it's children's cases or property cases, other than um, a court-determined um, decision, uh, because of the long delays that are currently being experienced, as well as the financial and emotional costs that accompanies that, um, are to be applauded. Arbitration, I noticed, um, is recommended in relation to certain children's cases mm. as well as financial matters. Again, long overdue, mm. and um, the Commission is to be congratulated by um, advocating that approach. And mediation. Mediation um, also, especially with the appointment of more um, family consultants as well as um, uh, mediation services, both private and through um, non-government agencies. And do you think overall it's sensible? Obviously, we've had the requirement for mediation in parenting matters prior to commencing court proceedings, but now they're looking at um, having that requirement of property proceedings as well, property matters rather, do you think that's a sensible move? Uh, I do, and um, there've always been for many years opportunities for mediation, even though that it wasn't called that, in property matters mm. through conciliation conferences run by registrars, as well as um, privately organised by experienced family law practitioners uh, to uh, advance their clients' interests by gaining an early resolution rather than joining the long queue awaiting a determination in court. So they're the positives. Are there any other positives that you that spring to mind? We can always come back to them later. Um, uh, I think the only other positive is um, the um, emphasis on increase of resources for the appointment of family consultants, although the, the name changes mm. to take place if the recommendation is accepted, to being uh, a court consultant. Uh, I personally don't think that's a great idea. The emphasis should be on consulting for benefits to families mm. rather than an emphasis on the court and also to maintain uh, uh, independence for family consultants and a name change um, incorporating the word court mm. um, creates the perception of a lack of independence. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that one. Um, in, I just perceive the name changes, oh, let's just, you know, be neither here nor there, but you're right in terms of perceptions, that is interesting. The, also, the recommendation that a family consultant can bring a matter back to court for contravention or further orders is from a legal process viewpoint, um, in my opinion, completely misplaced. Once court orders are made, that's the end of proceedings. Family consultants have no standing to bring an application in the court. And indeed it would be um, a retrograde step because it puts them in on a course of confrontation with one or more members of a family who they're the, supposed to be assisting to avoid confrontation. That's interesting, yeah. 
So I guess then, since moving now, um, probably appropriate segue onto the not so good. Right. What are your thoughts about some of the, ma- the main things that have come to mind? Well, um, the first is a recommendation for what's called a new tort, that is a new basis for making a claim, presumably for damages, for what is to be described as family violence. Uh, In my opinion, that is an utterly bizarre recommendation. The theme which is captured by the Commission is the unacceptable delays in litigation and the cost. Yet, on the other hand, the Commission recommends a new basis upon which people can litigate. Um, It doesn't make sense. And the practicalities of doing that will mean extensive affidavits uh, in support of an application for family violence orders. Um, The uh, reply, which is likely to be also extensive, a hearing which will probably be for at least a few days. And the most um, incredible of all is that this new basis for litigation should cover the pattern of alleged violence uh, over the years of the marriage. Now, it it takes little experience with law to appreciate that that will mean that every real or imaginary incident is going to be traversed uh, and (coughs) the subject of fighting. And what is even worse is that whatever goodwill or trust might be available to resolve other matters are going to be (coughs) diminished because of the heightened emotions, financial and emotional cost in such proceedings. Those type of proceedings in which conduct has such a high level were um, removed from family law uh, some Uh, 43 years ago. It is really a bizarre back to the future recommendation, notwithstanding that in different parts of the report, the Commissioner recognises that delays in litigation under the current law are unacceptable and recommendations need to be put forward to enable people to resolve litigation rather than finding a new basis for increased litigation. If someone has uh, concerns, and let's face it, family violence has been a scourge in society for quite a long time, Mm -hmm. then um, those who wish to litigate already have the right to do so. They can bring a civil action for assault and claim damages in a state court. So to create a new basis in family law um, defies all rational thinking. <laughs> Any other? So moving on to the, the bad and the ugly, I can, I can see anything else that's yes, not um, perhaps that practical. It is recommended that there be a presumption of equality of contributions in marriage. Another back to the future? Another back to the future because that approach Uh, from a practical viewpoint, was in vogue from the time of the Family Law Act commenced in 1976 until the High Court ruled that 
um, it wasn't permitted under the Family Law Act as it then was drafted in 1984. The result was that for those who were engaged in having to face that presumption, although it wasn't uh, formally recognised, but in practice it was, meant that um, the focus was to demonstrate why the presumption shouldn't apply and um, what other factors should be involved in determining contributions. Um, so it's unfortunate that when one looks at who the commissioners were and the large advisory committee, uh, including the current the commissioner who had the full responsibility but had never practiced law and was an academic, um, none of them, with one exception that I could see, had any experience in dealing with such a presumption prior to 1984. So yet again, uh, another recommendation which, based on hard practical experience of mm -hmm. those who have it, uh, would lead likely to more litigation mm -hmm. rather than the resolution of it. I guess it's one of those things, you know, Peter, it's like you look at it on the surface and you go, oh, it's good, it's root and branch, it's simplifying things, but in reality it will create then everyone trying to rebut the presumption, which is just like a litigation yeah. dream for some, some lawyers, you know. It will. Um, if these recommendations are accepted by government and hopefully whoever is the next Attorney General will be... Um, responsible, have some insight and not consult academics but people with a long years of practical experience um, will not accept those type of recommendations. It's also interesting that um, the question of who is going to pay for all this doesn't seem to have received much prominence. The reality is that legal aid is not available for property cases. It used to be 25 years ago uh, on certain conditions. Um, <clears throat> the cost of litigation these days of anything for a case that's likely to take more than a day for many people is prohibitive. And uh, it's disappointing that the Commission's report hasn't recognised the practicalities of what seems to be a good idea in a theoretical sense mm. uh, for the purpose of making recommendations. I guess on a similar note, I've noticed as well that there's a recommendation that there be a presumption that the value of superannuation assets accumulated during the relationship is split mm. evenly. Yeah, I think that's that? a good idea. The other recommendation I'm against, which is that the value of property should be looked at at separation mm. uh, unless the justice of the case requires else other things. The report doesn't spell out what the justice of the case might mm. be, um, while at the same time criticising parts of the Family Law Act which don't have the definitive criteria that um, some theoret theoreticians consider should be appropriate. The reality is, and the legal position has been since at least the early 90s, that contributions are often made to property either direct or indirect 
subsequent to the separation of people to a marriage. So, for example, if one or other of the parties has the primary care of children who were still under the age of 18 at the time of separation, then generally speaking, their continued role as a homemaking parent is regarded as a contribution to property. So on this approach, it doesn't matter that the property has increased in value, reflecting in part their own direct or indirect contributions. Nonetheless, value is to be looked at at separation. Uh, quite frankly, it flies in the face of, again, practical as opposed to academic knowledge. Mm. And it was interesting that one of the part-time commissioners who has had many years in practice uh, provided a minority report uh, in which he uh, recommended that that type of recommendation not be accepted. Mm. Okay. What do you think as well? I mean, one of the other major things that struck me, um, the possible return to the States. Uh, again, another back to the future recommendation. <laughs> really back to the future, number three now. It used to be the position prior to uh, the Family Law Act and creation of the Family Court of Australia that the states all exercised federal jurisdiction for the purpose of determining uh, uh, family law cases under what was called the first federal law, namely the Matrimonial Causes Act. The advantage of the new system was to centralise the body of knowledge and experience in one specialist court. To now suggest this all be fragmented on a state-by-state -state basis with no demonstration of what the benefits will be to the ordinary litigant in that situation strikes me as being not only back to the future, but also another bizarre recommendation. And of course, it will require the uh, agreement of the states, who no doubt would also have to contribute to funding. And funding is the, <coughs> is the uh, elephant in the room <laughs> for all of these things. And more emphasis should have been placed in the report on the funding needs uh, and increased resources to meet one or more of these recommendations and not merely increased resources but increased quality of resources. So for example, um, it was notorious in the legal profession that those judges who had a real background um, in uh, and quality of knowledge and experience in children's cases and property cases mm -hmm. who could deal with the whole of the jurisdiction across the board were by far the best um, judicial appointments. Recent years has demonstrated that not one leading family lawyer has been appointed. Why is that? You would have to ask the Attorney General that question. I have no uh -huh, idea. That'll be my next podcast. I have no <laughs> idea. It doesn't make sense. Um, okay. What about um, 
I mean, one thing I thought was interesting in relation to costs, um, yes. you know, that general rule that each party bear their own costs, that's been yeah. looked yeah, at. Yeah, I think uh, there is nothing wrong with that recommendation. Mm, in fact, good. it's a recommendation I would support mm. that um, the general rule that each party pays his or her costs, subject to exceptions, um, should be removed mm. because, again, for some people, it was an incentive to litigate. Mm on the basis that there might be a reasonable chance that he or she uh, would not have to pay the other party's costs. Mm. There currently is a discretion, which is sometimes exercised, that mm. one party has to pay the other party's costs. Um, but uh, I agree that family law should be brought in line with state legislation, mm. whereby um, uh, costs are at large and might be awarded uh, without having to overcome the hurdle of a general principle that each party pays his or her costs. Something I thought was interesting that, again, like in a way it sounds, you know, on the surface it sounds good, but I wonder if there's problems and how this works with an adversarial system and the other duties one might have to their client in the court. It says that there should be a statutory duty on parties, their lawyers and third parties to cooperate amongst themselves. So is this yeah. like we're all doing... Yeah. There's nothing wrong necessarily with covered law, but is it it's compulsory now, or what does that mean? It's an interesting. Well, one. It, it's similar to um, uh, what's required under the Civil Procedure Act yeah, in New South Wales. Um, what the Commission, I think, uh, doesn't always recognise, is that a lawyer can only do what his or her instructions enable to be done. It's not simply left to the lawyer about cooperation. So, uh, in principle, good idea. How it would work out in practice, how you would demonstrate that someone didn't make a genuine effort to cooperate um, is another matter. But um, it uh, can't do any harm to have such a statement. Mm. I mean, I guess it's more of a general kind of statement. I don't know how you'd actually... Yeah. break that down piece by piece. Um, what about some of the other, under the, the building accountability and transparency kind of recommendations? For example, the Children and Young People's Advisory Board, which would, um, it says, provide advice and information about children's experiences in family law to inform policy and practice. Any thoughts about those sort of proposals? Well, um, again, um, how, which who is the child that's going to be able to access this board? Um, how experienced are members of this board going to be other than with academic uh, qualifications, but what sort of clinical experience are they going to have? Who is going to fund it? Um, who is going to bring the child to such a board to get advice? And um, doesn't it leave open the damaging possibility that a parent is going to seek to coach or unduly influence the child who goes to such a, a place. Quick, go to the board and tell them what your dad's done. <laughs> you know, it, it again is another example of something which in theory sounds nice and yeah, attractive, a feel-good type recommendation, but does it pass a test of realism? So do you think there's been a bit of, obviously you've acknowledged some positive recommendations, but a fair few that are feel good on the surface and 
problematic in practicality yes. kind of vibe. Very good summary. And it's the same about family violence. Um, there have been agencies or even government departments or portfolios established about prevention of family violence. Um, I, ha I have never heard of anyone who's had a propensity for family violence um, that was stopped because of these programs. The, again, the reality in my experience is the perpetrator is often someone who's got uh, emotional problems, temperament problems, um, drug abuse, uh, alcohol abuse, uh, and so on. Such a person does not have a copy of the Family Law Act in their pocket or the, the report from the um, uh, ALRC before deciding to be abusive or violent. It really needs uh, a good educational program in schools as well as in tertiary areas um, to try and make some impression on the younger generation that this is unacceptable. So maybe it's, it's more of a long-term societal issue? That, that... Uh, that's my view mm. um, and I think it's also a, a police issue. The police are there to prosecute people who break the law. If you're engaged in violence, whether it's family violence or anything else, uh, and it can be proved, then you've broken the law. You're subject to charges of assault. Mm. Uh, and um, uh, police should be encouraged to, uh, in a given case where there is reliable evidence, to bring such prosecutions. Uh, to, and after all, the Family Court and the Federal Circuit Court uh, do not uh, operate as a clinic for psychological advice or to help people with anger management. Their primary role is to determine disputes like any other court. So I heard a lot of what you were saying, this, this back to the future thing where um, it seems that things are being recommended that were done in the past and it perhaps, in your view, perhaps didn't work or were abandoned or changed because they didn't work. Do you think that returning to these sort of back to the future, these old things that were done is going to help or make things worse? It's not going to help because the reason they were abandoned was that they didn't reduce litigation but rather promoted them. Mm -hmm. um, if if it could be you waving the magic wand and <laughs> your recommendations, do you have any thoughts about rec what you would recommend? Yes, um, I, I would get back to the basic questions, which is what does the ordinary citizen want from the family law uh, legal system in Australia? He or she, in my experience, wants to have um, their disputes determined by a court where judges and others have real quality of knowledge and experience right across the board, not just in children's cases. Secondly, that delays are greatly reduced. Um, thirdly, that uh, legal aid is increased for people who can't afford a private lawyer. Um, and <clears throat> that um, the opportunities for settlement 
through mediation or otherwise for an earlier determination by arbitration through a well-qualified arbitrator are encouraged. And you don't necessarily think that all of these recommendations will help that with that, with those issues? I, I think know. some of them will. The yeah, ones that will. I thought earlier would, would be um, are very praiseworthy. Mm. Amendments to the law in relation to children, sure. uh, arbitration, superannuation uh, and the like. Um, I think are all good and um, uh, the Commission is to be uh, praised for making those recommendations. Well, one thing you raised, and I hope it's not too controversial, I did hear, you know, just in and out of our discussion, you were discussing that perhaps there's a lot of input from academia, you know, academia, which is, is fine, but maybe not enough from people who've worked in practice. Well, I think that, um, uh, of course, um, uh, those in practice don't have the monopoly on sure. knowledge. But family law, the way it's practised, um, is essentially a practical uh, form of the law in practice. Mm. It, it's not um, uh, so theoretical like a, a discussion on constitutional law um, or trade practices um, or even tax to some extent. Um, we live in a complex society. It's inevitable that the law reflects that. Um, that you'll never get perfection. Um, and if uh, it doesn't meet certain social goals, well, provided amendments are practical, realistic, and help the ultimate goal of reducing delays in litigation and the cost, then they should be seriously investigated. After all, um, the average person in the street has no idea about how the taxation system works <laughs> or uh, criminal sentencing mm. or indeed preferential voting. Um, so if one takes the approach in the Commission's report that such a person needs to have more readily understandable avenues for appreciating family law, um, well in theory, that would all be very nice, but we don't live in such a society. And if we did, tax law would be no more than one and a half pages. <laughs> Criminal law sentencing, probably one page. Um, not have preferential voting, but first past the post. All the things that people can more readily appreciate. Mm. And look, the other thing that you said at the end, so the elephant in the invisible elephant in the room, the funding issues with all these recommendations. Yeah. Well, funding. funding for courts has never been a high priority for governments, whatever their political persuasion. Um, why this should be so, um, you'd need to ask um, experienced senior politicians. Um, but that's the reality in which we live. So whatever measures are put forward should be um, should be cast on the basis that this will make a real um, impact on reduction of delays and the quality of service that's available, as well as uh, seeking to reduce legal costs. Um, and to put forward a suggestion that there be a new basis for people to litigate, such as a family violence 
basis um, is counterintuitive. Mm. Well, thanks very much for that. Um, very lucky to have your insights today. The Honourable Peter Rose, OMQC, um, former judge of the Family Court and now um, mediating and arbitrating and also um, a lecturer, professor, lecturer at Sydney University. Um, thank you. We're very privileged to have you. Thank you, Peter. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.